0: This is Chris Brooks. Thank you for listening to this edition of Equip. Be sure and subscribe for free so that you don't miss an episode. For more information, visit our website, equipradio.org. Well, hey there, friends. Welcome to another exciting edition of Equip with Chris Brooks. I am so thrilled that you've joined us today. Can you do me a favor? Strap on your seatbelt, we're gonna navigate through the contours of culture, as always, with the lens of the biblical worldview on. But before we do that, let me remind you, this is the day that the Lord has made. He has given it as a gift so that you and I can rejoice and be glad in it. So let's do just that. Let's follow the words of the Apostle Paul. Let's rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And with that, I welcome you into what will be a very interactive edition of Equip. Today, we're going to dive into what I believe to be the greatest religious threat facing Christianity in America today. And I guarantee you, you're going to be surprised by that answer uh, on what is the greatest religious threat facing Christianity today. I think you'll be Somewhat surprised, maybe not fully surprised. But I want to dive into that in just a moment. But before we do that, let me, as always, say thank you to our friends who support the program. It's your generosity that allows us to be here each and every day to equip Christians to more effectively live, share, and defend their faith. And I just want to say thanks to a few who uh, have given recently. Thank you to Michelle from Clinton Township. Thanks so much, Michelle. Uh, Thanks to uh, David uh, from Indiana. Thank you to Joey from Idaho. Thank you to uh, Beverly Ann from California. So awesome to uh, see that you are supporting as well. You guys are such a huge blessing. And uh, for each and every one of you that have been blessed and encouraged through the program, maybe you've given over the years and, and enabled us to continue on our mission of equipping Christians to more effectively live, share, and defend their faith. But I also want to encourage you who maybe have listened, been blessed, been encouraged, have found equipped to be a great source of uh, content and wisdom for your Christian life. I would encourage you to uh, consider giving. If you've never given before, Today is a great day for you to do that. Your gift of any amount makes a huge difference. And this month, we're sending you, as a way of saying thank you, a wonderful resource uh, written by our friend Rebecca McLaughlin, who wrote a book on friendship. And as we go into February, so many people are thinking about Valentine's Day, all of those things. But what about the friendship uh, with God that we need and and also... Uh, from that friendship, how do we strengthen and develop friendships with others? There's been so much new literature on friendship making, and I think it's because our culture is experiencing a tremendous amount of isolation, in in, in particular uh, post-pandemic. And so this book entitled No Greater Love, A Biblical Vision for Friendship by Rebecca McLaughlin is uh, a gift that we love to send to you as a way of saying thank you for your support. But today I would ask that you would consider dialing the number 888-644-4144. That's 888-644-4144. Or if it's easier, go to equipradio.org. So what is the greatest religious threat to uh, Christianity in America today? Well, surprisingly, it is the... Focus in on an deification of self. According to my guest today, uh, who has written a powerful book entitled Don't Follow Your Heart, Boldly Breaking the Ten Commandments of Self-Worship. Yeah, that's right. Self-worship is a far greater threat, in my opinion, than any of the other religious competitors that are out there, religious alternatives that are out there. We have become far more a, a people who have made an idol out of self than anything else. And so if we're going to win the hearts and minds of men in our culture, we're going to have to dethrone this idol of self-worship and to help us to navigate that. I'm so happy to have Dr. Thaddeus Williams in with me today. And this is long overdue. Uh, I am a Biola alum, and I love his work as uh, someone who is a fan of all things Biola. Uh, Thaddeus uh, loves engaging students, enlarging their understanding and enjoyment of Jesus. He serves at Biola University. He's been an assistant professor of systematic theology for the Talbot School of Theology there. He's authored several books uh, all of them uh, really encouraging. And I'm holding in my hand again, the book, Don't Follow Your Heart, which is a tour de force. Thaddeus, how are you, sir?
1: I'm doing great, brother. It's a joy to be with you.
0: It is. It is really good to have you on. What a timely book. I think I've, as a pastor, gotten 12 sermon ideas out of it already. <laughs> nice. uh, but but it, is, uh, it is just really well written. So, Let's just talk about this whole quest you're on to promote what I'm calling a good atheism. Explain this quest to promote a good atheism.
1: Sure. So it's not often you get uh, two violins. (laughs) who are are pushing heresy (laughs) on the airwaves. Uh, But we need, man, we need a whole generation of of heretics, renegades, mavericks, people who are atheists about the God of self, people who boldly break the Ten Commandments of self-worship I lay out in the book. And really the premise here is, um, you know, there's a recent study where 84% of Americans – said that the highest goal of life is to make yourself happy. Wow. 84%. Wow. That's an overwhelming majority. So you think of... In
0: particular, when you think of the fact that nearly 70% of them say they're Christians.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, this stuff is in the church. It's in the pulpits. Uh, as, as Christians, we are not immune to the cult of self-worship. So you think of the, uh, the timeless Westminster Catechism, that great... Summary of a Christian worldview. Question one, what's the chief end of man? The chief end of man to glorify and enjoy God forever. What our Mm -hmm. culture has done to the tune of 84% has said, no, no, no. Chief end of man is to glorify and enjoy myself forever. And then 86% in the same study said that to do that, you have to do what you desire most. And then a whopping 91% said, to find the answers, look within. Don't look to God's wow. word. Don't look wow. to any authority above and beyond yourself. Your feelings, your emotions are the final word on reality.
0: Yeah, yeah so your your book really caused us to rebel against that thought, against that mindset. And, and the thing I want to just make sure people understand is that unlike other religious threats, which are so easy to attack because they— feel like they're outside of the Christian family, the Christian worldview. So it's easy for us to say Islam is bad or Hinduism is bad, Eastern religions are bad, classical atheism, secular humanism, you name it. But what is the problem with this form of, of worship, self-worship, is that you said it, it's pervasive within the church. And it calls sure. it, it calls for an even greater discernment than what I fear most of us are demonstrating. And I think the discernment starts with what you call the uh, kind of new uh, decalogue that goes along with self-worship. This new ten commandments. Talk about that.
1: Sure. So we've seen, you know, any any faith, any religion, any. Cult has adherents; it has followers. So we've already seen you got you know eighty four percent, eighty six percent, and ninety one percent. Any any cult, any world religion also has its own you know moral obligations that go with it. Mm-hmm. So I break them down uh, as hashtags. You know, I, yes. I got teenage kids, so. You know, I'm cool. I'm relevant.
0: (laughs) That's good. I can't wait to number two when you get to number two, but go ahead. There there
1: you go. There you go. So, so number one, um, and by the way, just a quick side note here, my 13 year old daughter Holland, who we call Dutch for short, Mm -hmm. um, really was the direct inspiration for the book. We play a game here in the Williams home spot the lie where the kids can, point out a falsehood, explain why it's false, they earn a dollar, you know, to teach them to be discerning and not just passively consume whatever Disney's throwing at them or whatever. And so this was a couple years ago and Holland just comes bounding down the stairs with a big smile on her face. Daddy, you owe me another dollar. I said, okay, what'd you find this time, darling? And she had been watching a commercial for some, I don't know, rainbow, fairy, pixie, princess, unicorn, whatever. And she said, dad, the commercial told me I should follow my heart. And I mm. said, okay, well, spot the lie. And she said, um, daddy, I don't want to follow my heart. My heart is fallen. I'd way rather follow God's heart.
0: And I just like,
1: <laughs> Oh man, that's amazing. I, I wrapped yeah. my arms around her, man. She got, she got five bucks for that.
0: one. There she, you go. It's a great dad moment. <laughs>
1: she, she earned an Abe Lincoln. So she's actually on the cover of the book. She's the, uh, She's the little uh, book cover model there. So um, it was largely through being a dad that I began to see these these hashtags and Mm -hmm, these mm -hmm. commandments being perpetuated. So number one, hashtag live your best life. Thou shalt always act in accord with your chief end to glorify and enjoy yourself forever. Commandment number two, hashtag okay boomer. (laughs) okay boomer thou shalt never be outdated but always on the edge of the news so okay boomer you know it's you're you're old you're out of touch you're outdated the self-worship stuff this is cool this is cutting edge Uh, commandment number three hashtag follow your heart thou shalt obey your emotions at all costs number four hashtag be true to yourself thou shalt be courageous enough to defy other people's expectations number five hashtag you do you Thou shalt live your truth, and let others live theirs. Uh, Number six hashtag YOLO. Thou shalt pursue the rush of boundary-free experience. Number seven. For those who don't know
0: YOLO, you only live (laughs) once. That's what that stands for. I right
1: make fun of me. You can't say YOLO (laughs) if you're over the age of like twenty without
0: being cringy. Hey. Hey, this is a safe space. You can say it. You can say it.
1: I don't know, uh, man. I'm being hashtag cringy you that. There you go.
0: Uh, <laughs>
1: number seven, uh, hashtag the answers are within. Thou shalt trust yourself, never letting anyone oppress you with the antiquated notion of being a sinner. Mm. Uh, number eight, hashtag authentic. Thou shalt invent and advertise thine own identity. Uh, number nine, hashtag live the dream. Thou shalt force the universe to bend around your desires. And last but not least, the way a lot of this stuff gets expressed in the culture, hashtag love is love. Thou shalt celebrate all lifestyles and all love lives is yeah. equally valid.
0: Yeah. Now, now you, you obviously are creative in the way that you express these and we, uh, you know, laugh and make light of some of the uh, hashtags, but from a very real and sobering sense, these are the commandments of our modern mm-hmm. culture. These yep. are the rules to abide by, if you will, the terms of service, if you will, of, um, of, of participating in our current culture. And our kids, even unspoken, feel this pressure, but it's not just our kids, it's, it's you and I, And part of what this book challenged me to consider is in a very self-reflective way, in what ways am I unintentionally encouraging self-worship in my own life? In what ways am I unintentionally encouraging self-worship with my children, in my home? And how do I begin to dethrone the God Mm -hmm. of self for me And for uh, my family, because uh, I think, and again, I I think the the numbers you gave in the statistics reveal it. this is so pervasive that I would argue that all of us need to do an examination. And I think your book really lays for us a framework for doing that evaluation. So we're going to take a break. We got to take a break. We're up against uh, time. So we're going to take a short break. But when we come back, I want to walk through this, uh, these these Ten Commandments. We won't get through all of them, but I, I got some questions that arose as I was uh, working through the book. But I also want to encourage folks to get the book. This is a great resource for you to go over with your family, for you to go over if you're in a small group at your church. Pastors, I highly recommend you read this and think about this conversation in light of your upcoming sermon or message and know that what you are battling against may not just be Islam. It may not just be scientism, if you will. It may not be some Eastern religion. It may be the God of self-worship. We'll be right back right after this. Biblical friendships are vital if we're going to grow in Christ. These friendships support us when we're down, spur us on to follow Jesus, and teach us to love each other like our Savior loves us. I want to send you a resource to help you to grow your own biblical friendships. It's by Rebecca McLaughlin. The book is called No Greater Love. Request it when you support Equip today at 888-644-4144 or go to equipradio.org. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks talking to Dr. Thaddeus Williams about his book, Don't Follow Your Heart, Boldly Breaking the Ten Commandments of Self-Worship. It comes with a ton of great endorsements. Everybody from Colin Hansen to Sean McDowell to our good friend Carl Truman, Johnny Erickson Tata. It even comes with a heretics manifesto. What is a heretics manifesto? Why was that important to put in?
1: Yeah, so uh, anybody interested can just type in jointheheretics.com theheretics.com, you can see videos about the book there's <laughs> even a, a little EP of original music that goes along with the book that people can, yeah. can download some original tunes there uh, and you can click on the Heretics Manifesto and add your name to it along with you know John Perkins and J.P. Moreland and Johnny Erickson Tata and a lot of great christian thought leaders and it's basically to say you know we're pledging to be more awestruck by and to follow his heart rather than our own and yeah, here's uh yeah. here's 10 10 things that that might look like in in daily life so my favorite part yeah. of the book the end of every chapter has a story of a heretic somebody who rebels against the cult of self-worship so Mm. uh, johnny erickson tata josh mcdowell the great apologist, um johnny erickson tata there's a long list of personal stories from folks who found liberation through the power of the gospel from the the overwhelming burden of self and i follow that in every chapter with what i call the heretics field manual and this is just practical sort of daily liturgies habits you could begin to form. Um, cause you're right. You said before the break, you know, we, we can easily slide into self worship mode without even realizing yes. it. Um, yeah. and so how, how can we form liturgies even in our families? Something we do around the, the Williams dinner table, you know, last night we did magnificent Monday. What's something magnificent about God? And we do, um, Terrible Tuesdays. What's something terrible in the world we can pray about? And Wicked Wednesdays. What's a, a sin so that we aren't the standard of truth and reality? We can confess our sins as a family and, and thankful Thursdays. You know, we aren't entitled to anything. It's all grace and freaked out Fridays. What's a, a anxious emotion or fear we can bring to God? So I tried to make the book as packed as possible with, with down to earth insights. Here's how we can actually live as heretics against self-worship
0: man you are a full service guest i mean very rarely <laughs> do i get get a guest who not only is bringing great content for their book but they're going to throw in a game for you and your kids spot the lie an ep as well <laughs> i mean there's not there's not much I but, many it's boxes good. yeah there's like, not many boxes you didn't check you know and, and, and am not i right good, but it's there <laughs> am, I, am I right that you used to be roommates with uh, one of the members of Lincoln Park?
1: Is that right? That is true. Yeah. So when,
0: there, uh, you there you go.
1: Out, I had a book called Confronting Injustice Without Compromising Truth that, uh, you know, you actually partially inspired. You came and spoke to the Biola faculty a couple of years ago on race and the gospel and, uh, mm-hmm. and got my thinking moving in some good biblical directions on that. Well, it turned into a book, uh, Confronting Injustice Without Compromising Truth, that uh, I don't know if your listeners are familiar with the Babylon Bee, the Christian satire site, but uh, they had me on when the book came out, and I thought, oh, cool, we'll talk about the book. No, no, no. They found out that my old roommate was the bass player for Lincoln Park, so the whole (laughs) show was called Lincoln Pork, and we (laughs) ate sausage for an hour and they just talked about what it was like living with Dave from Lincoln Park. And we spent oh, about two minutes my on my
0: book. So uh, yeah. I promise you, we, it won't be a bait and switch today. It will not be. I appreciate a bait that. <laughs> I appreciate you know, that. Let, let's, let's go to what I think the heart of the book is. And uh, maybe you can just respond to this. We are often being told in so many ways, explicit and implicit. That we should um, live our best lives. What is wrong with the thought of live your best life?
1: Yeah, I mean, the bottom line is, if you make yourself the, the center point of your reality, reality, you will end up miserable. Mm-hmm. This isn't, you know, any kind of shocking new, you know, psychological discovery. This is something the Bible's been telling us for ages with. You know, whoever seeks to save his life is going to lose it. Whoever loses life for my sake is going to find it. Um, You know, theologians and philosophers have long talked about something called the paradox of hedonism. The Mm. paradox of hedonism is pretty straightforward. It's the idea that um, the harder you seek your own happiness, the more miserable you become.
0: Makes me think of uh, David Meyer.
1: Yeah, yeah. He, David Meyer talks about that in uh, The American Paradox, uh, where ever since the 1960s, when self-satisfaction sort of became the the redefinition of the American dream, uh, you saw rates of depression, anxiety skyrocket. You find rates of suicidality skyrocket. Uh, pretty much every negative metric um, just jumps off the chart the more we Occupied with our happiness and i, I think uh that's i've heard it explained is from my friend my colleague my mentor uh jp moreland's our offices are about a, a first down away from each other there at talbot on the biola campus and he says you know if you stare at a light bulb for 30 seconds and close your eyes you see this little orange or blue dot And if you try to focus on it, it instantly vanishes. And the secret to seeing the blue dot is you look past it in your field of vision to something else, and then it comes into perfect perfect focus. And Mm -hmm. so the idea there in the first chapter of Live Your Best Life is if you're trying to focus on my happiness, my joy, my fulfillment, your fulfillment, the paradox of hedonism, it will vanish and you will be miserable. Real happiness, real fulfillment, real identity, real peace of mind come not from looking at them, but looking past them to a God who is infinitely more awesome and interesting than any of us are. And the more we focus in on him, we end up experiencing happiness and joy because they aren't goals. They're byproducts of seeking something else, namely God's glory is the goal.
0: You know, as I, as I think about this, and you're introducing a lot of great concepts here, we need to warn uh, our kids, and, and I keep referring to kids because I'm a dad, and that's kind of the world that I'm living in, but we need to warn the church as well about this thought of us being the ultimate meaning makers of our own lives. Is that really the crux of what you're trying to get at and uproot that – somehow we are the ultimate meaning makers for our lives.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's what, you know, in the OK Boomer chapter, I talk about how, you know, following your heart and living your truth and being hashtag authentic, being obedient to your desires, defining your own reality is edgy and innovative as this stuff markets itself. Uh, I build a case theologically. It's it's literally the oldest lie in the book. It's, it's uber traditionalist. Uh, because in Genesis 3, uh, the fifth verse, you get the passage about, you know, the serpent is talking to Eve and says, you know, if you eat of this tree, the, the language says, you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And for years and years, that language baffled me. Is it talking about If you eat of the fruit, you have an experience of evil instead of an abstract understanding of it. All these different interpretations didn't really click uh, until a few years ago I was reading uh, the great Dutch neo-Calvinist Abraham Kuyper uh, in his 900-page tome, Common Grace, Volume 1. He unpacks that passage and says, look, what's going on here in the Hebrew knowing isn't I know it by experience it isn't I know it because I learned it in a book it's I know it because I made it that way and so that's this false promise you can know because you can be the definer of the maker of and then it's followed by good and evil so that's the original lie you wow. get to be the ultimate meaning maker instead of God
0: man what an what a insight what a revelation to again the human heart And it's amazing how things are exactly the same way for The Fallen Heart today. We recently saw the Grammys. I'd love to run some thoughts by Thaddeus about what he thinks about modern music. We'll be right back with more right after this. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks want to say thanks again to our friends and supporters, those of you who pray for the program and also who support financially. We're so grateful for you today as you consider investing into Equip. Know that on the other side of your giving, the truth of the gospel is being proclaimed in your community. One thing we'll never back away from is the unwavering commitment we have the Bible being the inerrant, ins- inspired, infallible, eternal word of God, that Jesus is Lord, that salvation is found in him and him alone. And if these uh, tenets of our faith are important to you and uh, pushing back the lies of our current cultural moment is important to you, I would ask that you would consider supporting equip today uh, your gift of $25 or $50 or $100 or more makes all the difference in us being here each and every day. So let me give you the number, 888 644 4144. That's the number to call, 888 644 4144. Or if it's easier, go to equipradio.org. And today I want to encourage you while you're there at our website, equipradio.org, to please uh, purchase your copy of Don't Follow Your Heart. I think every One of us who have been raised in Western culture, this uh, kind of expressive individualism as it's often referred to, this self-worship, this God of self, we need to read this book so that we can evaluate our hearts and make sure that we're following the heart of God and not our own. Don't follow your heart, Thaddeus Williams. I want to encourage you to go to our website, equipradio.org, click on program details there and you'll get ordering information. Uh, that I love to get your opinion of uh, kind of contemporary music. I don't watch the Grammys. I stopped watching the Grammys a few years ago. It just seems like we are, it's just getting more and more destructive. It's celebrating destructive ways of living, and it just uh, seems to try to whatever is most indecent is most celebrated it seems is the way that things have gone there but yet I I hear you saying something you just alluded to it that what seems to be edgy in our modern moment is actually traditional so when you think about uh, I think it was a year ago or maybe it was a couple years ago when Sam Smith uh does this performance of of a song celebrating evil and and I think about uh, an artist Little Nas X and if you don't know these artists please don't google it please don't look them up I'm not recommending them but it seems like it's not enough for them to say hey let me just make music and leverage my talents it's almost like Let me do everything I can to blaspheme the name of God. Um, Yeah, so your thoughts on where modern music is.
1: Yeah, I mean, we could even hop in a time machine and go all the way back, you know, 20 years. This is nothing new. Um, 20 years ago at the MTV uh, Music Awards, it was uh, Madonna, you know, pop superstars Madonna, Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, uh, they they shocked the world when they they kissed on stage, all three of them, mm. and then the way they closed their performance of uh, "Like a Virgin" um, in unison, they chanted, "We are bored with the concept of right and wrong." Wow! Uh, and that's again, this is twenty years ago. Trying to say, "Oh, look how edgy we are! Your outdated morals, <laughs> you know, your, your old-fashioned concepts of good and evil—that's boring to us." And I just wonder, trolls online, slandering them. If if somebody comes along and steals their their melodies or their royalties, yeah. Uh, if they receive death threats from you know a psychotic stalker, it seems like maybe some of those old fashioned rules like the Ten Commandments, you know, bans on lying, stealing, and murder, would yeah. <laughs> be a little more interesting to them.
0: That's right. Um,
1: So, so again, this stuff, it it goes way back. I mean, you could think of um, satanic themes in the history of American music. You know, the legend of Robert Johnson trading his soul with the devil on the the crossroads in in Georgia. ACDC had its hit in 1979, Highway to Hell. Um, Van Halen, Running with the Devil in 1978. The Rolling Stones, Sympathy for the Devil in 1968. Now... We need to be careful here as Christians. It, it can be, uh, we don't want to be fear mongers. Uh, we don't want to be uh, sure. just reactionary. The sky is falling, chicken little types. Uh, and so I, one of my all-time favorite movies uh, is called This Is Spinal Tap, which just completely, it's a, it's a rockumentary, but really more of a mockumentary of this, this failing uh, glam rock band. Uh, and it, it really mocks the Satanism of it all in a way that I think there's something biblical about mocking evil instead of being terrified by it. Um, because the devil as Chesterton points out in his book, orthodoxy, um, the devil takes himself so seriously. He he fell by the weight of his own gravity. Whereas Chesterton says angels can fly because they take themselves so lightly. Um, so as Christians, we need to recognize, you know, Satan is a defeated foe. He's humiliated according to, um, Colossians, uh, Jesus defeated and and puts open mockery, Satan and his minions, so we don't have to be threatened by all this, Uh, but we do need to protect our kids from it. So, you know, little Nas X had his, um, in 2021, his 666 shoes um, that had a pentagram and a drop of human blood in them. Um, You have Demi Lovato with her song that says, like a serpent in the garden, the fruit that was forbidden. I don't keep my evil hidden. I'm the sexorcist. And um, then you had last year's Grammys, which you referenced with um, yeah, yeah, Kim Petrus and Sam Smith singing their song "Unholy." And and so you see behind this, it's... you know, before the break, I was talking about how this all goes back to Genesis three five. You could be like God, knowing good and evil. You could be the sovereign meaning makers over your whole existence. You can define the meaning of your biology. You can define the meaning of marriage. You can define the meaning of life. It's all up to you. It's literally the oldest lie in the book. And it hasn't worked since Genesis 3, 5. It's false advertising at the end of the day.
0: Yeah. So, so now people hopefully are hearing why you are calling us to an atheism as it pertains to the God of self, why you're yep. asking us to be a heretic as it pertains to, to the cultural Ten Commandments of our current um, moment in human history and why it is that we, through this book here, are being told to rebel. Rebel against it all because that's really what is cutting edge. What's really cutting edge is when you say, no, I'm not going to make a God of myself. No, I don't exactly. believe that I am as awe-inspiring as God is. And I want to talk about that, this whole sense of awe and wonder, because this, again, is a theme in your book. And uh, you, you reference uh, David uh, Foster Wallace and um, that, that famous commencement speech he gave, this is water. Just talk about that in light of awe of God and the limited sense of awe that self-worship produces.
1: Sure. So David Foster Wallace, the great uh, postmodern novelist, he wrote Infinite Jest, um, gave a brilliant, brilliant uh, commencement speech at Kenyon University years ago. Uh, and in it, he makes the observation that in the, he says, in the trenches of adult life, there's really no such thing as atheism. Every, everybody worships someone or something, which is really the way Paul Apostle in Romans 1 frames everything. He, he says, you know, it's not a question between the, the theists who believe in God and the atheists who don't. For Paul, he says, there's two options, either creator worship or some form of creation worship. You either worship mm-hmm. the maker or the maid. And, and that's that sort of includes any worldview you can possibly imagine. And so what is the... Creation that has taken center stage. Again, you have the God of self, you know, or expressive individualism is sort of the technical term for it. And I argue that, you know, I was up in, uh, in Minnesota uh, three weeks ago doing a MLK event for a church up there. And I had everybody turn to each other. It was a room full of pastors, there's about 300 pastors up there. And I said, All right, I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, You are awesome. And so they had a good time <laughs> turning to each other. You're awesome. You're awesome. You're awesome. And I'm like, look, that's biblical. You're all surrounded by image bearers of God. You're all awesome. Now turn to your neighbor and say, you are nowhere near as awesome as the creator of the universe. <laughs> and they had a good time, you know, taking each other down a peg. Uh, but, but it's true that the problem with the cult of self-worship is at the end of the day, it robs us of awe. Because as awesome as we may be, We're just nowhere near, we can't hold a candle to the awesomeness of our creator. And so, you know, there's all kinds of studies from the field of positive psychology that humans need awe to thrive. When we're awestruck, um, we get along with each other a lot better. We care about creation more. Um, Rates of anxiety and depression tend to dwindle the more we're in a mental state of awe. Uh, there's just mountains of research on this, and so if self-worship robs us of awe, the the remedy is a more awe-struck vision of God. God never lies or breaks promises; we do. So, so in in chapter one, I lay out the creator-creature distinction. Here's all the ways God's awesome that we aren't. He's not bound by time; we are. He's self-existent. He requires nothing and no one to bring him into being or keep him alive. We need a mother and a father to bring us into existence. We need oxygen, food, water, and for some of us, we need caffeine to continue existing. God is sovereign and throned over the entire universe. We aren't. He's not bound by space. We are. He's infinitely satisfying. We aren't. He's the supreme artist who thought up glowing space nebula, technicolor sunsets, the flavor of watermelon and coffee beans, and on and on. He's, he's the ultimate artist. And I just go on and list 14 ways God is supremely awesome and we aren't. And so to, to say something like that, Chris, you, you know, you were making the point that this turns us into heretics. I think a helpful way to think about it, you know, Fred Nietzsche, the, the famous atheist, Mm -hmm. said that you know christians in the mainstream they're cows they're just mooing along with the herd and trying to be honest and trying to love their neighbors and nietzsche said no 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 we need to be the Ubermacht. we need to be supermen who create our own reality who create our own values and, and we will our view of reality through power and i argue in the book that there's so many people now who are trying to create their own values and create their own reality that that is the new herd. The the people moving along with the herd are the Madonnas and the Kim Petruses and the Sam Smith saying, create your own reality and live your truth. To be a true Superman in the 21st century is to say, I, I, I'm not going to follow the herd. I'm going to follow the creator. I'm going to, tell the truth because God is trustworthy and I'm going to be faithful to my spouse because God commands it. And I'm going to, to have reverence for him instead of following my own emotions as if they're sacrosanct and authoritative. So the true Superman in the 21st century would have been a cow in the 18th century, but the roles are reversed under yeah. the power of this, this cult of self-worship.
0: I hope you guys are seeing why I just absolutely love what Thaddeus is doing here and why I think this book is so important. I agree with Sean McDowell who says, this is a bold, timely, and enjoyable book. He goes on to say, this is a book I'll be recommending wholeheartedly to the next generation. I say amen and amen. But before we get it into the hands of our children, we need to read it first. Go to our website, equipradio.org. When we come back, we're going to land this plane in the heart of the gospel. I promise, don't go anywhere. Much more to come next up on Equip with Chris Brooks. A little boy was overheard praying, Lord, if you can't make me a better boy, don't worry about it. I'm having a real good time just like I am. I bet you've got neighbors just like that little boy, having a real good time just like they are. They don't appear to have any need for Jesus, but Jesus didn't come to make sinners a little better. He came to redeem hopelessly lost people by giving them new hearts and new hopes, a new relationship with God through Jesus Christ. On our program Equip, evangelism is at the heart of all we do. As you call or click with your gift, you're helping us advance the gospel. Gospel, one conversation at a time. You can help us share the simple gospel with many more as you give now. Call 888-644-4144 or visit EquipRadio.org. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. Man, time flies when you're having a great conversation, and <laughs> such as the case today with Thaddeus Williams. I want to encourage you to get his book don't follow your heart. I've mentioned it to parents. Obviously, I want to encourage, again, pastors to get a copy of this book. It may be a book that you want to read through with your staff or team so that you can know and just make really clear, this is what we're battling against. I think, and and I'm an apologist by, by training, but um, a pastor as well, and I think that more of us are, are I, I think, convinced that we're battling against some of the major world religions and no, those world views. And certainly we need to be aware of those things. Uh, but yet, I think that far more uh, dangerous uh, to the Western uh, person is what Thaddeus is laying out here, and that is the religion of self worship. Uh, we, we've unpacked some of the book. I think we've gotten to many of the core themes. There's still yet more that We have not yet even begun to plummet the depth of. So I would encourage you to get a copy of the book, Don't Follow Your Heart, Boldly Breaking the Ten Commandments of Self-Worship. And I also would encourage you to uh, consider adopting this, this game that Thaddeus mentioned just kind of as an aside that he and his children play together, spot the lie. Man, what a great approach to developing critical thinkers. Uh, So I would encourage you to consider that as well. Uh, Thaddeus, uh, maybe a great place for us to land is playing is for you to unpack what's so dangerous about relativism, the relativism of our day. There's no truth with a capital T. It's just your truth, my truth. So you follow your truth. I'm going to follow my truth. And you say that relativism Makes cowards out of all of us. What do you mean by that?
1: Yeah, well, for, if you look at the heroes, the the heroes of church history. Uh, if you look at um, the abolitionists like William Wilberforce and the Clapham Sect over in the UK. If you look at Frederick Douglass's, the, the Harriet Tubmans, the Sojourner Truths in American history. Uh, if you look at uh, Sophie Scholz, who started the White Rose Society, uh, just a Christian college student in Munich who who took Hitler to task and started exposing the evils of the Third Reich. Right. Uh, what you find across the board is every moral, his, every moral hero and reformer didn't follow their heart. They believed that there was a standard higher than their own fallen emotions, uh, and that gave them courage because the truth is, if, if my heart is the final authority, there's nothing higher than myself to aspire to. And so I can no longer make like an upward journey towards virtue, then I could grab myself by the scruff of my own neck and lift myself off the ground. So it just at the end of the day, it strips us of courage. And so I, I argue in the book that that makes life impossibly dull. If, if I if my heart again, is unquestionable and sacred. I I can't become a better version of myself because whatever I feel at any given moment is the final word on reality.
0: And in many ways, yeah, I I can't be a a, a critic of Hitler. I can't be a critic of slavery or abortion or whatever the moral issue is, because there is no objective truth, correct? Did I lose you there?
1: Yeah, I got you back now.
0: Okay. Yeah, so with without objective truth, we can't condemn evil is the point.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and you think about it, um, a good place to start here is, yes, critique the evils in society. We need, as Christians, to to fight things like human trafficking that enslaves 27 million image bearers of God and The 21st century. We need to fight um, evils of of ongoing racism. We need to fight evils of the greedy abortion industry. And we should add to that, biblically, there's this category of um, what the old Puritans used to call mortification of sin, where where we need to fight the evils inside. Um, The evils at our own heart. Romans 8.13 is by the Spirit, not by your own willpower, uh, by the Spirit, by the third person of the Trinity, by the omnipotent Holy Spirit put to death the deeds mm. of the sin nature. And so where culture is telling us to follow our hearts, the Bible is saying, look, in your heart, there's all kinds of evil that you need to put to death by the omnipotent power of the,
0: the Holy Spirit. Super grateful for you. I cannot wait to have you back. Thanks, Dr. Williams, sure. for spending some time with us today.
1: Chris, it's been
0: a joy. I look forward to next time, brother. Natasha Crane says that this book is filled with truths that lay bare the theological, philosophical, and logical failures of today's self-worship religion. I could not agree more. Go to our website, equipradio.org. And until we're together again next time, as always, remember, Equip with Chris Brooks is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.